Okay, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another new Energy Chinwag with uh, myself, John Massey, and my colleague, Charlie Rattan. Um, we've talked about various things during our last few podcasts, from hydrogen to offshore wind to um, heat and various other aspects. Um, today, we thought rather than pick on a specific topic, um, we'd give a little bit of insight and talk a little bit about some of the things we've been finding on our on our various work assignments and our travels um, over the last few months. Um, I've had a few trips out to Asia doing some training. Charlie's been doing lots of stuff around the, the northwest of England. Um, so we'll we'll see what comes out of it. There may be some snippets of interest for people. Um, Charlie, do you want to lead off? Yes, uh, good uh, good morning, everybody. It's nice to, uh, to catch uh, up again. Uh, John, you just mentioned that you've been out in the Far East and uh, meeting uh, stakeholders and those perhaps interested in coming into the uh, the, the renewables and clean tech uh, world. If I was to put you on the spot and ask for two or three key lessons learned from those uh, journeys, what kind of what kind of themes were emerging from the uh, from the delegates? Yeah, it's interesting. I guess the first, I guess firstly, I'd start by saying where I've been and who I was talking to. So I've had a couple of trips to Singapore. Um, on a trip to Manila in the Philippines. Um, and so in Singapore, for example, I gave a, a course on storage to a, a power company. Uh, in Manila, it was a course on solar power to a company that largely operates coal power plants. Um, and then also one or two public courses, um, both on, on storage and also just sort of general electricity economics with a variety of people. Um, actually, also a course in London, um, I've not, not purely been out in Asia, but we had people from as far afield as New Zealand on that one, interestingly. Um, so there were some Asians there as well. I guess if they're sticking to Asia, key themes have come out. Um, well, if I take the Manila example, one is coal. There's still a lot of coal <coughs> being burnt, um, particularly in markets like the Philippines. And and in that market, things like solar are very, very early stage. So to some extent, it's kind of basic, um, basic knowledge building. Um, the uh, the the opportunity is certainly certainly seen. They look at a lot of interest in what's happening elsewhere in the world. So often you kind of go on these things thinking uh, they're going to want to know a lot of detail that's very specifically applicable to their their market. Um, which is which is true, but actually they're also interested in lessons happening around the world. So if you like, they're kind of they're not early adopters, um, but they're they're coming to this a bit later in the day, but with a clear a clear rationale to replace um, coal because they do they do see the writing on the wall for things like coal. Um, certainly, there's there's still some new coal being built, um, but organisations like the World Bank. Um, Increasingly, are not going to are not financing new coal. The coal that's exist has existing finance um, written behind it is going to get built, but it's going to be increasingly difficult to build new coal um, in some of those markets. So they're very interested in solar. They were also interested in wind as well. So, but again, at a much earlier stage than perhaps we are over here. So interested in some basic lessons, but on on the other hand, they they are also interested, and it kind of gets into something which I think we've mentioned before. This idea of kind of technology leapfrogging, they're already interested in things like storage. Um, they're very interested in battery storage, not so much in the Philippines, but in Singapore, they're very interested in electric vehicles and the impacts of that on um, their their power networks and their their generation. Um, so I guess as we've seen in other industries, they may 
come at things like solar and wind later in the day than perhaps we have here in Europe or in yeah, parts of the state. But what they what they will do is they'll come at it, and they'll from the start be interested in understanding how how you can link things like batteries with it, how it links into kind of smart grid and smart systems and so on. Yeah, we um, we talked, didn't we, when we were at Boehm about some of the lessons learned and. You wouldn't necessarily go through the entire painful process of some of the things that have uh, have occurred in uh, certainly in offshore wind. I know that when telecoms they uh, they avoided a few of the uh, the steps that were considered to be essential at one time. Do you really need uh, the, the old style cables and wires everywhere when there's whole heaps of technology that work pretty well? Uh, a, a fraction of the uh, the infrastructure and a, a, an asset base, and so they're coming almost at a smart level now in that uh, whole heaps of the bigger energy picture. Have been put in place uh, the the problem of variability where wind doesn't blow all the time in all, all, all locations. So what do you do when it doesn't? Well, perhaps perhaps other other tech can be combined. Perhaps batteries can come in. Hydrogen is making a a stronger uh, showing at the moment. So the new new people thinking about it are going to make a quantum mm. leap. It's not going to be just a small step change. It's going to be perhaps an integrated uh, smart. Um, Scheme and one that's well suited to their resource resources in uh, in Singapore. I don't know about the Singapore coastline, but they might have uh, limited onshore uh, capability. But they might have good resources uh, is elsewhere. And I suppose with a variety of kits now from uh, from renewables, ranging from solar, floating solar, offshore wind, floating offshore wind, um, dynamic cabling. Combine that with batteries, as they've been done at, uh, at Batwind, and now hydrogen and electrolysis being considered. Um, integrated large mega projects can come in without the need for these small boutique and smaller scale wind farms and 20 years of subsidy um, augmented schemes that have happened here in the UK. Uh, yeah, I think one of the, um, sorry, I, I mean, another in terms of themes, the markets are very different. Again, I think that's something that's important. Um, looking from elsewhere we you kind of look at asia but i mean the philippines completely different kettle of fish from singapore singapore is is gas generation they've actually got too much gas capacity really um but also singapore massive land constraints because it's very small um and also when you look at things like um things so things like wind there's just not space really um solar when you look at solar there's limited space and also when you look at how people live it's a lot and things like electric vehicles very different so this idea of kind of home charging networks is not is going to be completely different because they're mainly living in high rise i mean not many people are going to have a kind of what we regard as a kind of typical british house with off-street parking it's a lot of high-rise living um so kind of and the same would be true of places like manila i mean the philippines obviously has more is a bigger place, more rural areas. But if you look at where a lot of the people live in in the city in, in Manila, again, this idea of off-street parking for EVs is going to be very different. Um, so different resources in, in different places. Um, also, I mean, they're interested in hydrogen came up. I mean, I mentioned it and, and they were interested. They also look at um, a lot of what they look at is influenced obviously by China what's what china is doing in the region um and so china has announced a whole bunch of different things it's obviously doing lots with renewables um it's announced more r d into into hydrogen it's doing offshore wind so um so lessons from from hydrogen are of interest and also 
issues around kind of energy security. <clears throat> so the Philippines, for example, um, isn't producing its own coal. It's importing coal from places like Indonesia, um, <clears throat> potentially Australia and so on. So it's it's exposed to things like resource risks from that kind of thing. Singapore, again, um, exposed to price risks around gas and so on. So there's, there's some different drivers. Um, and also the whole issue of by coming into it later when the costs are lower, this kind of issue of subsidy in the way that we've thought about subsidy, again, it's just not really a thing. Then they're, they're not looking at, they're not going to be piling huge amounts of um, subsidy at these things, um, especially if that's going to increase prices for, for consumers. So, um, so yeah, they're, they're entering the market later. Um, they're going to enter the market very specifically depending on the different market um, and also from an economic both from an economic and a technical point of view they're looking at what's happened in if you like the west um in, in europe in the states and so on um and they're trying to um, avoid the the things that they thought that are not desirable for them the mistakes if you like um, along the way and they're trying to take the best practices and they're trying to leapfrog to some of the um incorporate some of the newer technology straight away so so yeah it's kind of it's quite interesting quite dynamic lots of growth lots of interest um even though again from a context point of view um you've got to bear in mind there's still a lot of um, fossil fuel um is still still the core of it and and i suppose the other thing in that context to bear in mind there is that in europe we're kind of used to having markets where demand is not really growing um if we look at electricity demand um, whereas in markets like the Philippines um, and, and certainly other markets um, in Southeast Asia, the other context is demand is going up. Things like air conditioning use is going up dramatically. So um, the question is not just can you start replacing conventional power with renewable power? It's can you even meet the growth in demand with renewable power and still have to have conventional power? Um, so, so that demand growth is a big impact, and and that will tie in with things like efficiency measures and so on as well. So, there's this very, it's a very different picture, it's a very dynamic picture, but yeah, quite exciting. Yeah, you've times. got um, geopolitical elements uh, you've mentioned in there. That's, and I think that's a, a driver uh, for places like Taiwan and perhaps um, Japan. You've got a whole heap of technological. The um, the pace of uh, of change in uh, in offshore wind, in particular, with the bigger turbines coming through. Uh, you've got Mitsubishi heavy industries tying up with uh, people like Vestas and then the Chinese wanted to get in. And, of course, the bigger machines fly through some of the uh, the project hurdles because you've uh, ramped up the uh, the machine. Suddenly stuff is flying through. You've combined that perhaps with a bit of energy storage. You've time shifted it and you've got a growing uh, demand. So actually, looking dispassionately, you think it's actually a very exciting market to be involved in for renewables. Mm. If you were a renewables company, how would you not wish to get involved and we've not really mentioned places like India and so forth with yeah. their own, uh, with their own uh, uh, dynamic uh, growth and uh, aspirations. Um, so it's, it's, it sounds like your, your travels, uh, it, it's it's a quantum leap forward for, for, for dynamic countries with growing populations. They want the things that we have here and uh, uh, they, they, they want these opportunities now to look at the best practice here, which is rapidly moving. Best practice two years ago is not best practice now. And it yeah. takes effort yeah. to think, and then the price is coming down as well of offshore, offshore wind, and think, well, if you're if you're a serious uh, big six, say, uh, utility in the UK, how would you not consider getting involved in markets mm -hmm. uh, such as... Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, the way to look at it is obviously opportunities in terms of um, both technology providers, um, smart systems providers, knowledge building, consultancy. I mean, there's obviously opportunities there. 
Um, I guess while it pops into my head, um, a couple of other things that are very different out there are things like the regulatory regime. Um, so we're used to kind of living, particularly in, here in the UK, in a very, very liberalised market where you can sort of draw a value chain of electricity and every bit of it is a kind of is is separate separated from it the other bits there's competition across all the different segments and so on um again you've got to bear in mind that a lot of the markets out there still um there's there's kind of one off taker there'll be the government owned utility as an off taker even if the independent power producers the ipps there's private competition um the grid is generally um again single single entity um in some cases both in fact, in many cases, transmission and distribution, same same company. Um, so, so they're also. It's not just about developing in terms of technology. They they are over time gradually starting to kind of privatise and liberalise how some of the policy side of it works. And again, that makes a big difference on on what can be deployed, how quickly it can be deployed, and and so on. Um, I mean, there's something things that again, I, I guess, was slightly surprising coming from the outside. I mean, we've talked quite a bit on these podcasts and elsewhere about um, things like stakeholders and environmental assessments and just the kind of permitting and planning processes you have to go through. Um, and that was one of the areas where I was kind of presenting this stuff um, and how, how we do it here, thinking, well, I wonder how relevant this is going to be for, for what they do. And, and actually, I was surprised. I mean, we, sometimes on the outside, we kind of imagine maybe their environmental audits and stakeholder liaison and so on is not quite, doesn't have to be quite so stringent. We kind of think of, I guess we think of places like the UK as having lots of red tape and bureaucracy and so on. Um, but same problems, they have exactly the same kind of issues. It might be the specifics might be different, but they've still got lots of hurdles to jump through. They can have kind of indigenous populations that pop up and, and complain about things and claim land ownership and that kind of stuff. Um, they've got environmental issues um, and visual impact. I mean, all the kind of stuff we talk about is, is relevant over there as well, even if the actual specifics might be the same. But the, pr the process of kind of how do you analyze who your stakeholder groups are and how do you rank them in terms of kind of impact and, and interest and so on all the, all that kind of heat mapping risk heat mapping and stakeholder mapping stuff is all all hugely relevant over there as the same as it is here so so again that's i guess that was one of the, the takeaways is that the same technologies the same processes project development processes financing issues the, the kind of fundamentals are the, are the same um in those markets it's just that the market specifics are obviously different uh, not just as a region but also very different in specific cases as well so there's an element of taking best practice from over here and then applying it to the specific market situation that they face over there both from a policy point of view an energy mix point of view and a kind of energy growth point of view excellent so there's a lot of stuff in uh in there, John, it sounds like a, a very vibrant and uh, happening uh, part of the uh, the world with regard yep. to the world of energy. It's uh, strange, isn't it, that in, in, energy used to be considered a rather staid, rather yeah, not much happening uh, field, and now in the last 20 years, it seems to have become one of the most vibrant fields to become mm. involved in a lot of innovation, a lot of new thinking, a lot of uh, obviously renewable element in, uh, in there. And it's, uh, it's uh, suddenly got a quantum leap and it's gone, uh, gone, gone global. Yeah. And, that, and that's quite that's quite scary for the kind of incumbents. So, I mean, for example, the company I was talking to about solar, you'd regard them. Well, they were sort of an IPP, if you like, but they're pretty much an incumbent coal operator. Um, and then the, 
company in Singapore I was talking to about storage as kind of incumbent um, power system operator. So, uh, and they, uh, their motivation uh, to some extent is about opportunity, but a big chunk of motivation in finding out about what's happened elsewhere is is a kind of, is kind of risk is worrying about well what happens to our legacy legacy business um if all these if all this privatization liberalization yeah. happens yeah. and all these yeah. other little companies yeah. biting at our heels what does yeah. it mean for our business yeah. so there's existential problems that perhaps merit a further uh, podcast uh, with our own national grid attracted a bit of publicity over the weekend and thinking uh, more generally about the, the cabling company and uh, the, the wires and so forth but thinking also of um, a company i was with uh, many years which was shell now they're a global company and if they then suddenly commit, which they have done, to uh, to net zero, uh, and that will be global, they're then going to put that in their supply chain. It'll go in their tender documents. It'll go in with their um, suppliers. And they would expect suppliers globally to harmonize with Shell's uh, aspirations. And I'm sure that Shell will be joined by other oil and gas uh, companies. And I think that is going to be a driver um, allied to the falling cost of, uh, of renewables for allied to the cost of renewables now getting integrated and getting pretty close to baseline it's getting uh, uh, very interesting and i did pick up on this on the crown estate last year where, where they were talking about the aspirations yes there's this uk sector deal yes there's going to be a trebling of offshore capacity in the next 10 years very very ambitious but wider they talked about this role of an anchor, how the UK has got the expertise, the consultancies, mm. the trainers, people like ourselves in there, uh, they're going out, being involved, and we're helping now mentor and train the next quantum generation that are coming online, and that is on a global uh, basis, which is pretty exciting. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. So, so yeah, no, that it was an interesting, interesting few trips. Um, and as I say, there's what, what was interesting to me is that you can come from over here. Um, and you've still got lots of useful stuff to tell them about what's happening over here, but not, I mean, I, I talk about it globally anyway, so examples from the States. So particularly interested in, in examples from markets, which from a policy point of view, if you like, are a bit more advanced than they are in terms of a the kind of energy transition evolution are more advanced um, because they're kind of looking at well, what's coming up, what's how's it going to affect our, our current business along the line? How do we start planning for that? Um, what, what opportunities are there as well? So again, all the stuff we normally talk about, opportunity on one hand, risk on the other hand, <laughs> depending if you're a small, a small company getting in or a big company worrying about your, your monopoly suddenly, suddenly starting to disappear. But then in detail on the project side, again, same, you can talk about the same project issues, same project planning processes, permitting processes and so on. And as I say, the, the red tape and the detail might be different, but the, the steps you have to go through are, are broadly the same, really. So that, yeah, that was interesting. So, yeah. So how about you? What in the, in the Yeah, mine uh, might not be quite as exotic. I go to more localised places such as uh, Ellesmere Port and Manchester and perhaps uh, on the local beat to, uh, to London with the Crown Estate and so forth. But my recent meetings have been a varied, varied bunch, a very interesting bunch. I spend a lot of time at Thornton these days, uh, which is next Shell site over uh, towards uh, Ellesmere Port. And there's a whole heap of innovators in the clean tech sector that uh, I've been chatting to and supporting. Uh, I got involved with one uh, company earlier this year. Um, very interesting idea, not renewable. It was very, very clean tech. And their idea was, could we take plastic, incinerate it at very high temperature and a, a technique called pyrolysis and then generate clean hydrogen? Uh, and they had a bit of a Heath Robinson uh, setup, but it did 
work. The only residue was uh, a bit of ash cake. Uh, the feedstuff at that time was like old tyres. They were granulating old tyres, putting it into this, mm. uh, this series of machines. At the end of it, hydrogen was being vented and produced, uh, and uh, it was scalable, which I particularly liked. Now, I, I went to meet them in uh, in March. Since then, um, I, I put an article out about them that gained a lot of interest, and that snowballed. And the company I just learned, uh, I think the day before yesterday, had signed up with Peel Environmental, and they're looking at to, to, to scale it. They're looking at all local authorities in the UK. They're looking at where this can be deployed. Uh, and then they're probably looking for a major project. Still, if you concerns about emissions uh, we still get those uh, they need to be addressed as they are with biomass uh, already so they're going to have to show quite a lot of environmental impact as to what is being vented but nevertheless very interesting um, SME and startup that is now starting to flourish and has gained significant uh, backing another one again I seem to get the calls from the entrepreneurs they know that um, I'll listen to them and uh, sometimes there's value that I can add and one such call was a company that said, well, we are, we've got an idea that we want to generate heat and uh, we want to uh, do it from uh, from wind. Uh, what do you think? And I said, well, have you read the Scottish Energy Strategy? And of course, a fair idea that it's not everybody's bedtime reading, but it is mine. And I said, actually, it's exactly what, uh, what's been requested in the Scottish Energy Strategy. I think we've touched upon, John, how for every unit of electricity uh, produced, there are actually three of gas or three of heat. And uh, mm. that going to decarbonize you've got to start attacking that so i suggested that actually that, that it is of interest um, to to the to the industry uh, again i went over visited it saw this thing it's not the most visually exciting bit of kit i've ever seen a, a thermometer gradually going up but uh, nevertheless the principles the principles are, uh, are there uh, so they're in the coming weeks going to test it on a smaller they're going to attach um a slightly unusual wind turbine. It's not one that we, we're used to seeing. It's it's more like going back to the early days. That they're not interested in high wind, which again is interesting. They're interested in, in wind speeds of one meter above to up to five meters. Stuff that we would ignore from 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 an electricity generating uh, perspective. But they're very interested in that because that provides mechanical torque. They put it through uh, resistance. They put it through semi permeable membranes, and they're able to amplify temperature in a circuit. And they're able to do that from wind. And so that is very interesting. All the stuff that we as uh, major wind farm developers trying to get rid of, all the heat, they're saying, well, why get rid of it? This is what we want. So they've done a bit of testing. Uh, they've got a bit of seed funding, uh, but that is now starting to gain a bit more traction. A lot of people are very interested in the principles, especially in uh, in cold climate countries. So I'm going to be involved in, uh, in supporting that. Uh, I'm going to be involved in perhaps uh, getting them in front of a few people that might not talk to them otherwise. Uh, and uh, uh, perhaps a little bit about there. I, I tend to, uh, when I find something interesting, I'll bash out a few lines and see who uh, see who responds. And that's when it gets really interesting when um, when some of the big uh, big players actually, rather than dismissing it, start saying actually this is very very interesting. And that's what uh, what what are doing there. Elsewhere, a few other interesting meetings that I've, I've learned quite a bit from. One was with a bank. Um, the uh, bank was effectively saying. Um, well, we've been uh, supporting renewables. We've been financing renewables for a long time, uh, 15, 20 years, which is a long time in the renewables uh, world <laughs> yeah. in the UK. And uh, in that time, uh, we've got comfortable with it. Some of the risks are not really risks. And you'd think that uh, a, a manufacturer going out of uh, a business would be a risk. And they said, well, it's not really, because that creates opportunities. And others come in, and they can refurbish the kit, and they can uh, offer a warranty, which is good. 
uh, and that means that you can do something with with repowering opportunities. And so we talked a little bit about uh, that. Uh, they're very interested in things like district scheme hydrogen, uh, which mm. are starting to bubble under. Not mega projects, but you know, if you're having a hundred houses built, uh, as is the case in uh, Scotland places, shouldn't we trial twenty of them attached to some kind of hydrogen testing facility? They've tested the principle in Leeds, and hydrogen is all. Uh, out there in the industry is a discussion, but they actually want to do it practically. So mm. take some of the lessons and do it in real planning, real testing. So the bank was very interested in uh, in that. It was interested in how some of the things you've talked about uh, are coming through, how uh, a battery can be um, put in. You can come up with these fancy phrases, virtual power plants. It sounds amazing, doesn't it? But uh, it's just a battery attached to a bit of renewables. And perhaps you could do that on a small small scale uh, development, something that they would be interested perhaps in, in getting involved. If you did that, could you then time shift? Could there, could there be a, a, bit, a bit of revenue to be gained by being a bit smarter? Some of the things that you've talked about, could that be applied here in the UK with a bank that's experienced, is happy to lend, knows the risks, and is really going to, and perhaps I can help here, is reach out and let people know about, people aren't aware uh, that that's the case. They think, oh, perhaps the small-scale renewables, it's been overshadowed by the big mega schemes. Mm. But it's not. It's still there. It's been, in fact, to some extent, it's a bit of an un unheralded success story. These things go up and down. Nobody's terribly excited at perhaps a, a 500k EWT turbine going up. But it, actually, these are big success stories. If you aggregate this stuff, it becomes quite a formidable generator in its own uh, own right. And the bank's message to me was, uh, you know these people. Uh, you can reach them. You talk to them. Uh, we are keen to support them. Uh, so uh, we'll see, we see how that... Also, they said, look, don't think that... Uh, uh, anything above boutique is not of interest. It is, but uh, we'll pass it on to our, our friends in, in different departments, and mm. we'll keep an eye open. So I think the message was a quite a good one. We're aware of net zero. We're aware that renewables part to play. We've been doing it for 20 years. We know the risks. We've come across more or less everything, and it's not scared us. Uh, far mm. from it. We, uh, we want to know what's coming next, and we want to support what's coming next. So that was. Yeah, that, I think what's what's interesting there is the. Um, the interest in smaller scale stuff as well because um, there's definitely been over the last few years i would say from the finance side um i guess there's just been more money to be made but there's definitely more interest in kind of big projects where you, you charge you have a bigger lending fee and you um you you can make money off of a pot of project with a nice subsidy and so on um whereas as you say to start meeting net zero and so on and to really grow this stuff out it's going to have to be small scale stuff as well it's going to be it's going to be both um on a big scale we've obviously got all the big offshore wind stuff that's still being built being rolled out um if the cfd auction gets gets restarted um but but certainly the the fact there's interest in on the smaller scale stuff is going to be yeah. significant as well and that chimes with other bits that i've been asked to do the, the chambers of commerce a group that perhaps not known for his dynamicism over the years, as, 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 as approached me, could I, could I help them and could I get in front of SMEs particularly? Mm -hmm. We saw it last year, didn't we, in the uh, in the offshore sector deal, how they're keen that the jobs don't go to some obscure place, but that, that the local companies and SMEs should at least be aware of the opportunity mm -hmm. and invited to participate. And that spread out that message to uh, the Chambers of Commerce, and I go out and give talks to them. I get involved with the Liverpool City region, and they go involved with the Manchester business people and say, well, look, you know, net zero is happening. Offshore mm. wind is happening. There's a big hydrogen economy planned here in the northwest. Don't you guys want to be a part of it? Change is coming. Mm. You, can, you can ignore it. 
and you might kick yourself because rivals might then say, well, we are going to get involved. We are going to start tendering. And if we're away, if we're informed at an early stage, that gives us an advantage. And mm. if we know what's coming, at least the direction of travel, uh, then we very much want to be part of it. So I've been surprised and pleasantly surprised at how many people want to be aware that EVs are coming. Mm. They don't know about charging points and can you just pick one up and get one next Wednesday? It's not as simple as that, but they are interested in the principles. And certainly once you get a lot, a lot of the renewables are quite expensive up front. And mm. so starting to explore other ways around that. Or can you look at the, 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 the cost over the project life? And so a, lot, a lot of these things have got fewer moving parts over the uh, over the five, six years of the lease. It's going to melt away. Yes, there's a bit of upfront part cost. Perhaps there's a bit of support to, uh, to, to ease the pain there. Uh, but wouldn't it be a smart move? So, so SMEs now starting to think and I talk to people like fleet buyers of electric vehicles and they start to say well we're interested in this now we're these we're quite a traditional company but we've uh, we've noticed the uh, the demand coming through uh, what can you help us with uh, with there so strangely coming from a mega project background of offshore wind and multi-billion pound schemes uh, I'm now um, involved in the in, in the wider net zero agenda and it's here I like it because it's on my doorstep it's places where I live it's the northwest of England close to my Part. Uh, a few hubs are emerging, uh, Liverpool mm. uh, with its offshore, um, the hydrogen which seems to be based around uh, Warrington, Ellesmere Port, Runcorn, Widnes uh, with train companies, uh, chemical companies, uh, companies involved with innovation and of course Manchester with its uh, uh, very ambitious 2038 net zero targets. Um, rather like the, uh, the grids, they can talk the talk but actually going to have to get moving pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you wonder, well, what exactly have they done since they announced it in a big mm. flurry? Uh, well, perhaps it's people like me going on the ground and saying, look, you've got to do, there's an opportunity here, be aware of this tech. This is, have you combined this with this and have you thought about this? And so a lot of on the ground uh, promotion. Uh, so a lot of interesting uh, people. I like it and that it's on the ground. I spend a mm. lot of time still with uh, talking to the Crown Estate, um, the round four. It doesn't take uh, genius to work. It's not run quite as smoothly is why people uh, might have imagined. So I'm involved in pecking away at um, the background. And behind that, of course, I get involved with a lot of old um, oil and gas companies come to me. Look, Charlie, we're an engineering company. We're global. Uh, we know that renewables is happening. Uh, can you come and uh, advise? Can you come and help? Can you uh, get, talk to us about how we might uh, get there? So I get a lot of those. Those are UK-based. Mm. Uh, a lot of them tend to come from um, um, Aberdeen, which is obviously a big centre for oil and gas in, uh, in, in in the UK, uh, and that's quite a, a strategic business shifting uh, decision. Mm -hmm. Rather like your uh, coal guys, I think they're starting to realise that the game is up, that the finance that they had easy access to isn't necessarily going to be their existential problem. But yeah, well, well, and actually the same out there. I mean, I've had people from Petronas, for example, was on the the people from there on the solar course. So a Malaysian oil and gas company on a on a solar course is kind of interesting. So yeah, this you. Again, same same kind of issues about big legacy businesses, if you like, um, looking at protecting their um, not only their existing business, but recognizing that if their existing business is going to be pecked away at by renewables, then they want to get involved in, in renewables. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, extremely good place. I mean, if you are an oil and gas company based in Aberdeen, uh, then you know that uh, the Scottish leasing round is going to provide massive opportunities. I was involved in uh, Sea Green. 4.2 gigawatt scheme off uh, off uh, Arbroath. That's just down the down the coast. Uh, others are going to come through in the Scottish uh, leasing round. So if you've got a knowledge 
of engineering and you've got a knowledge of working offshore, then you're extremely well placed, as Shell has found, to, uh, to, to, to fill in the renewables gap and, mm-hmm. and get up to speed so that as it goes global, we're not just thinking about Aberdeen or the UK, as it goes global to some of the places you visited, they are, they've already got a global presence. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's a no-brainer uh, that they would um, uh, want to wish to get involved. And the first stage is to, is to get up to speed. Uh, even the staff don't know about you know the basics, not mm-hmm. quite renewables 101, Mm. But heard a lot of stuff. It's a bit scary for them. What is what is offshore wind? What are the basics? What are the mm. lessons learned? What can yep. we learn? How we were that kind of thing. So, so I talked to a lot of them, and, and a bit of a teaser. It's no secret that we have got our own hydrogen uh, course already out there. One day business briefing, but we are putting together uh, a longer offering, a number of longer offerings, and I've been putting together some jottings in the uh, the background so that we are in a good place to uh, to offer our expertise to uh, to companies wishing to engage in the uh, in the hydrogen economy uh, as you probably gathered listeners we uh, we're global we've um, John has just been from uh, the far east we've worked together i think in canada we've worked together in the uh, in in the united states so um, we go uh, where our customers wishes uh, to, yeah, to, to and that, go. that was on that was offshore wind which again is another course we already have available um i guess i mean just to tie in um and maybe wrap up some agree with what you were saying just then. I, what I certainly find talking to people, both uh, both in Asia but also over here, doing running courses and so on over here, um, it's easy. It, it can be easy to overestimate how the the depth that people need. Um, I find a lot of people who are in, in very technical jobs and very very detailed, uh, very um, high up jobs within the sector. Um, who know an awful lot, know more than I do about their sp- the specific bit they work on every day. Um, but often, what they what they want to help with, and what, what I and yourself can provide, hopefully, is um, is often sort of tying tying up the various ends of the picture, and, and if you like, almost where they sit within the kind of bigger picture. So they know they know their little detailed bit very well, and they do that every day, and they can tell me more about it than I can tell them. Um, but what they what they do find helpful is understanding kind of the wider some of the wider market activity um some of the kind of bigger picture um the value chain who's doing what um what kind of new business models are emerging and and so looking okay we're doing this now but could we do if we do things slightly differently could we tie up with other companies could we add new technologies um what are the risks based on what other people are doing competing with us what are the opportunities based on what other people are doing that we could collaborate with so i think there's a big element of kind of education need which is not telling people how to kind of bolt together a, a, a wind turbine with a storage system or whatever um because they have there's lots of technical people um doing that but there's a there's a definitely a big i find there's def, definitely a big knowledge and kind of and value educational need in terms of okay well we know what kind of we're doing but how do we fit into the rest of the market movement yeah, it's, 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 it's a good people? example uh, john i got involved yeah. in uh, anecdotally a bit of a bit of a spat on a, an american uh, site to which i contribute and i had exactly that this expert there was an expert on chemistry an expert on hygiene said well this isn't going to work here's some diagrams and this proves that it's not going to work and it's absolute and i said well hold on I said, if you're going to go through the planning system, you will have to show rigor. You've already mentioned that it's global, that, that mm. rigor. You will have to address it. So you, there's no way you're going to get consent for your project. And if you, you can show me all the formulas and bits of science in, in, in the world, but that is only a small part 
of a, a, a major development. And mm. it's conceivable to me that a developer would go through all that process knowing that you're in the public domain, knowing that you're going to have to support your claims, knowing that you're going to be up against experts in their field, where you're bringing your own experts and you're bringing mm. your own mitigation, uh, you're bringing your wider picture. And uh, uh, sometimes in, in a little isolated technical bubble, I've come across this in the engineering world, that the bigger picture passes, uh, especially mm. if it's in a, in, a, in a state industry, coal might have been around for 100 years, and suddenly everything's up in the air. This is bad, big, bad coal. And mm. hold on. I've spent my whole career, 30, 40 years, in my, my little niche, and then the world is changing around. And change isn't always uh, agreeable uh, to, uh, mm. to, to everyone, and uh, it's happening at such a pace now. We've, we, we've talked... Uh, about this bank and they've been 15 years and, and more and that is a long long time in renewables mm. in the greatest yeah. theme of, of the economy it's nothing uh, but in, in a fast moving field like ours uh, so fast moving that it's difficult to keep in touch because suddenly we've got these transformations there was no talk of this 20 years ago mm. when coal was king and there was a little bit of nuclear on the system and suddenly uh, I suppose the good news is that the UK amazingly is uh, is, is one of the more dynamic uh, yeah. economies it has got a th third of the grid is now effectively uh, clean in, in, in various ways, and that's only going to increase. Uh, and that, uh, we can now start to say to others, well, if you want to follow our lead, if you want to go the same route, share some of the things that we've learned, and uh, and we, we can help. We can support. Again, one of the things I find particularly valuable, um, uh, both I, I enjoy it and it's valuable for the company, is... Um, as well as well both on public courses and also what i would call an in-house course um is when you have people from different parts of the process if you like so you've got finance people in the room you've got technical people in the room you've got marketing people in the room you've got policy people in the room because then there's a really good opportunity not just for me to kind of ramble on at the front but to dis start discussions get them talking to each other um get them learning from each other and, yeah. and getting them understanding so for example i find a lot of a lot of people on the industry side don't really understand some of the the challenges and some of the kind of tightrope if you like that policy people have to work have to walk they they the, the accusation generally at policy people is why aren't you being more generous why aren't you making everything happen quicker and so on but obviously policy people are not just looking after industry's interests they're looking after consumer interests interests impacts on electricity bills and all that kind of stuff so that's quite useful technical people don't understand how finance people choose so they're kind of well we've got this brilliant technology why won't you give us money to invest in it <laughs> but obviously the investment people have got and 20 companies knocking on the door saying we've got this fantastic technology so they're trying to kind of weigh up the competitive pros and cons the risks involved in the different projects or the different technologies and so on so so again having technical people understand a bit more about finance finance people understand a bit more about technical risk both understanding a bit more about policy um, processes and so on i mean it, i find that kind of stuff is hugely valuable to them and and also yeah. i find it interesting because none of, they, none of them you're not asking a technical person to become a finance person or vice versa but it's it's only going to be helpful if they know enough about what the other person's doing to be able to have a proper yeah. conversation with them 
I've come across that a couple of times. I held a little seminar on uh, Net Zero in Manchester, and one of the pleasing aspects, we did a bit of a round robin at the start, why are you here, what's your company? And uh, by the time that had gone round, they were interacting. They were almost mm. running the seminar themselves, and I was just taking a step back, and then quickly I whipped through the slides that I'd thought would be yeah. uh, yeah. uh, just, to, just so they got their, uh, their money's worth, uh, if you like. And I've been learning quirks. Every time you have a conversation with a stakeholder, especially an expert, you always learn something. And I learned this week, for example, on, 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 the, uh, on the banking side, why they might be um, reluctant to go into certain tech. And uh, it came from a completely unexpected source. They said, yeah, we've got the stepping rights. The problem is, if we don't know enough about the tech, the stepping rights are worthless because mm. there's only a handful of people who have already got the expertise uh, and the people might already be the existing operators who mm. made a bit of a mess of it. Otherwise, there wouldn't be... Uh, somebody uh, being stepping in so mm. they said that uh, although wind we like because we know it and yes there's issues with it but we know how to uh, we know our way we've done 15 years of it we're absolutely confident it's uh, it's viable some of the new tech which is great but uh, the stepping rights might be less uh, less important than you might think being uh, mm. a dispassionate uh, ob observer so there's always little bits of the uh, of the yeah. jigsaw i suppose we talk to people we listen to stakeholders we take a global view and that adds to our offer because when we are uh, at the moment of truth, the uh, the quick Q&As in our courses, those are the most interesting uh, parts often of the course when people come with, at you with real examples. And, real oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. and that's when the real, real learning comes. Yeah, the, no, uh, no one wants to stare at slides all day. They want to have a, yeah. a discussion and they want to ask questions and get yeah. proper answers to them. So, yeah, definitely. Okay. okay. So I covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we've been usual, we've rambled on a bit, but yeah, it's all useful. <laughs> So bear with us, listeners, if you felt that was a little bit uh, long-winded. But uh, we did. We did. <laughs> we've been we've been both out there talking to stakeholders, keeping we, we, we're uh, available. Should you so wish to uh, to support your organisations and to uh, to teach, I look at both our websites. We, we do courses together a lot with travel, and we'll try and tailor it around what you wish. Uh, we don't we don't come up with an agenda for us. We come up with an agenda and we tailor it. You feed into the agenda at a very early, early stage. Is there anything we've not discussed, uh, John, that perhaps uh, we've, uh, we've let slip or perhaps that can come oh. back to uh, at a, a later podcast? Probably plenty, but I think that could probably <laughs> work to a, a future edition. Um, but yeah, well, I think we'll probably draw it to a close there. Um, yeah, so it's probably slightly different to some of the other podcasts we've had, not on a specific topic, but hopefully a bit of an insight into some of the things we've learned on our recent travels um, and again a bit of an insight on the kind of things uh, we've been doing and and the kind of ways we can potentially help help yourselves um, going forwards so yeah um, until next time um, get in touch if you've got any further questions we'll be delighted to hear from you and discuss further um, other than that we'll we'll speak to you again in the near future yeah, thanks thanks for listening okay thanks <laughs>